Welcome to the House of Horrors podcast, where each week we dissect problems real estate investors have faced, how they navigated it, and of course, what you can do to avoid ending up in their shoes. When I think about things going wrong in my buildings, I tend to put them into one of two different buckets. Flood-type problems and leaky faucet-type problems. Let me tell you, I've had both of them, and it may surprise you when I say that I prefer the floods. Assuming, of course, that everyone is okay in these big catastrophic situations like floods or house fires, which is, of course, always priority number one, then the floods are in some ways easier to deal with. They're big and expensive, and yes, take some work to get through, but, you know, nine times out of ten, you're going to come through whole. Why? Because insurance will step in to clean up the mess and rebuild, and depending even on the insurance, they may even relocate your tenants and pay you for lost rent. However, the leaky faucet is a bit of a sinister beast. It's one of those things that could be a quick fix or something that is totally ignored until you realize the floors are starting to warp and then there's black mold everywhere and you've got a major problem on your hands. And first off, you're lucky even if you got a call from your tenants about these type of issues, because it can just seem so benign to them that they may not even tell you about it. And they may not bring it up until they start raising the roof over, you know, black mold that they're seeing. And then you finally, you know, start looking for the source of the problem. And it's one of those things where it just may be inexpensive enough that insurance isn't going to cover it. Or maybe it's just not even worth making the claim because, of course, when you do that, then you risk your rates going up. And leaky faucets are one of those like seemingly benign problems that you can just put off or put on the back burner. But by doing so, you you might end up seriously rolling the dice. And I have found that most asset protection follows the same pattern as well. Everyone prepares for the flood, but is surprised when that little leak turns out to be a big mess, even if leaks are you know, far more likely than floods or fires that destroy everything in one shot. And in this episode, you're going to learn what are the leaky legal faucets in your investing business and what we can do about them. But before we dive in, I'm excited to announce here for the very first time that I am hosting a brand new free workshop for real estate investors this month. It is called the Five Steps to Legally Protect Your Portfolio, and you can sign up right now by going to bonniegallum.com forward slash five steps. In this free workshop, you'll learn how to legally deal with tenants, contractors, and partners so you can save more time and, of course, more money and confidently scale your portfolio. I'll be teaching the workshop live three different times on July 20th and 21st. Uh, Space is limited, so sign up at bonniegallum.com slash five steps to save your seat. At the end of the workshop, I am really excited. I'll be sharing a brand new limited time promotion for my signature program, Landlord Law School. I am really excited for this brand new workshop, and I cannot wait to see you there. Now, without further ado, let's dive into the episode. Because one of the things I love doing in my real estate investing business, because I'm a big efficiency nerd, is to audit my business. It's something I teach real estate investors how to do inside of Landlord Law School, but it's not something I always did. And until I did it, I really didn't realize how much money was on the line by doing this activity. So let me tell you about the first time I did an audit and what I found. It was around tax season. I remember I was cuddled up on the couch under probably a bajillion blankets and like, December, right before we turn over our books to our CPA. And I'm always perpetually cold. And so I was probably wearing like leggings and sweater and blankets because that's just how I I am in the winter. I'm like a snowman or the Michelin man with all of my layers. But I was curled up with my good friend QuickBooks and I was really taking a look at our 
books. And I'd finally gotten comfortable with like the basics of bookkeeping. And now I was confident in our, you know, our books and our record keeping. And I wanted to start running some reports. And so I ran the PL, profit and loss report, to see how things were going to shake out for us tax wise. And I looked at the breakdown and you know, overall expenses and what they were going to be, what was going out. And I noticed, you know, what the biggest categories were, which were, of course, you know, kind of like the expected categories of mortgages and insurance and then taxes. And then I looked at the lower line items, which I initially thought about, you know, just brushing off because, oh, they're small, they're not important, just moving along. But what I found actually really surprised me. And they too added up to thousands of dollars a year. And it got me thinking like, how could we get more lean and eliminate this waste that's going on in our business? Because like, who doesn't want to give themselves a raise, <laughs> you know, just by getting a little bit more organized, right? Like that's the easiest way to make more money in your business. But then I took it a step further and I, I really thought about the line items that QuickBooks doesn't capture. You know, like the extra mileage schlepping back and forth to properties. And sure, I could deduct a mileage, but I can't deduct, you know, wasted time. And, you know, the cost of vacancies, the time wasted for eviction court, the holding cost delays. Like, how do you capture in QuickBooks, you know, the absence of revenue? And the reality is, is that QuickBooks can't, but the human mind can. And so that's what I set out to do. And I started making a note of this kind of stuff that was going on in our business. And I realized that we were dripping and losing time and money left and right. It was constant. There was, you know, tenant BS here and an extra month vacancy there and driving into the city for something stupid. And I realized like it got to the point where the real estate was controlling us and we didn't control it. Everything was reactionary. And the waste that I saw inside of QuickBooks suddenly snowballed into something much, much bigger. And, you know, this brings me to a really common misperception I hear all the time in real estate where it's like, oh, I'll just deduct it. And y'all, that's some bad math. I'm just going to come out and call it as it is. Deductions subtract from your revenue to decrease your taxable income. However, I submit to you that if you want that you actually want to maximize your income rather than your deductions, at least, you know, your deductions that are due to like waste and unnecessary expenses, because deduction is worth, say, like 30 percent of the value. And let me do some math for you here. So say you've got like a hundred dollar expense that's just wasted. It's, it's, you know, a fine for something or it's extra tolls or whatever the case may be. And after that expense may save you like $30 in taxes that you pay at the end of the year. But wouldn't you rather just have an extra $100 of income, which might end up being $70 after tax, but that's a $40 difference. Now extrapolate that math over hundreds or thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars, and you can see how like you don't want to just like unnecessarily expense things because you're actually better off paying taxes and getting that as income. You You get where I'm going here. And so if you're thinking as I'm talking about this, oh, I just expense my problems, stop you're bleeding money, um, and it's it's just bad math. Um, but I will tell you, you are not alone. Um, a lot of my clients back at the firm came to me with you know similar types of issues where they were just bleeding money and they didn't know what to do about it. You know, they couldn't prove that a tenant caused damage at the end of the lease when the tenant raised a fight. Um, you know that they got the property in this condition, and so they'd end up just eating that expense. Or situations where a contractor wasn't prioritizing the project 
but the contract didn't even talk about timelines and due dates. And you, you thought that, you know, by structuring, you know, the relationship with the, the contractor by, you know, doing structured payouts would lead to the contractor hustling. But what it just turned into was the contractor chomping up first payments left and right from all these different people and then taking their good old time and getting to the job whenever they kind of felt like it. <laughs> um, or, you know, little municipal fines here and there, like whether it's your fault or the tenants, like if you're stuck holding the bill at the end of the day, that's like flushing money down the toilet. Um, also, you know, I've seen situations where, you know, investors don't understand the due diligence um, when they're buying new properties and they find themselves holding the bag after closing. And like they end up like totally surprised and frustrated because you know, when closing already happens and most of the time you can't unwind the clock short of there being some sort of fraud and uh, instance, but like there goes your, your your budget, your ability to make a profit for you know several months, maybe even several years, um, and along those same lines, vacancies. You know, turnover time I have found to be one of the most expensive parts of being a landlord if it's not handled smoothly and organized, because every single month that you don't have occupancy is thousands, you know, maybe just hundreds of dollars depending on what your rent is, but um, you know, let's say thousands of dollars a month, and all of those situations are. Instances where real estate investors lose money and their legal wasn't doing anything to help them. And the reason why was because their asset protection was only prepared for the massive flood or the fire or the slip and fall, the catastrophic losses where, yeah, your LLC and your insurance are maybe going to kick in. However, this drip, 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 drip of losing money can and will snowball on you, especially if you're looking to scale. And these aren't situations that LLCs and insurance are going to come to your rescue. And so you've got to make sure that you are regularly auditing your investing business to find these types of holes. And that includes, you know, looking at your financials, looking at your systems, looking at, you know, what is actually happening in your investing business. And I teach real estate investors how to do all that and how to put legal processes and systems in place inside of landlord law school. But this is something that you can at least begin to tackle on your own. And, you know, in sum, the house flood approach to asset protection is, you know, really what most investors have in place. However, most investors are more likely to encounter a leaky faucet multiple times a year. And so you've got to make sure that your legal strategy covers both. And so if you guys like this episode, please let me know by leaving me a five-star review on Apple and subscribing. And now that you know why the leaky faucet is just as risky as the house fire, what are you supposed to do about it? And I've got the answers for you in my free upcoming workshop coming up in just two weeks at uh, July 20th and 21st. And during that, I will walk you through the five steps to legally protect your portfolio and stop that leaky faucet. I would love to see you there. And next week on the podcast, tune in because I will be covering another common misperception I see running rampant in the real estate community. And that is all about what the right time to put asset protection and legal tools in place. So stay tuned for that. I'll see you here same time, same place next week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to the House of Horrors podcast. Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also check out all of our podcast episodes, show notes, links, and more at bonniegallum.com forward slash podcast. You can learn more about legally protecting your portfolio and take my free legal workshop, The Three Legal Myths, Preventing You from Securing and Scaling Your Portfolio, and of course, what to do instead at bonniegallum.com. And to stay connected and follow along, follow me on Instagram at bonniegallumesq and send me a DM to say hi.
Thank you for listening to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast player to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes. Now this lawyer's got to drop the fine print real quick. This podcast is educational and not intended to be legal tax or investing advice for you. Please speak with a local professional for specific advice unique to you and your situation. That's it for this episode. Bye for now.